Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rock and Beers podcast, the show where we go through not rap music and talk about albums and such track by track, giving thoughts and opinions. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. I will be your guide today as we work through both Dancer in the Dark-ish, but mostly the Selma songs, the soundtrack that accompanied the film Dancer in the Dark. So uh, before we jump into it, I'm going to do the intro bit. And if you want to skip that, feel free to check the description of the video. Um, a little short synopsis is this is not my first uh, Bjork. Fuck, it's Bjork. I looked this up beforehand. I sang it wrong the whole time. So uh, this is not my first Bjork review. Um, basically, I decided I'm going to do a discography series. So I started with debut and I worked my way up to here. And then I'm going to keep going till I get up to the last album because we reviewed that uh, when it dropped. So we'll see if we do that one again. Maybe we'll do like a little summary of the last one just to be like this is how i feel now i digress um i'm not necessarily the most knowledgeable person and there's a huge chance that a lot of y'all coming to this video will have seen both this movie and listened to these songs a lot more than i have so for me this is more like a first exposure to it um on that note i welcome and encourage all comments because through your comments i have learned an insane amount of shit such as that i was saying her name wrong on that note lukey spooky is my favorite comment that we got recently and this was put on the debut album review and i'm gonna read it out a little bit she just discovered my bjork reviews thank you and i really appreciate the time and thought you invested in it i should have said thank you after that i'm a huge bjork fan sadly on youtube and other platforms she doesn't really seem to get the recognition she deserves at least nowadays yeah that's true you don't really hear a lot of people talking about her but like my colleague saw her at the vulnerica whatever the 2014-ish album tour and she like put the microphone down her throat and shit and she was doing all sorts of cool talking about it worthy type shit so it's a shame that people aren't so down to discuss her incredible artistry um i discovered uh i discovered bjerk uh around 16 years old i'm 22 now that's cool welcome it's cool to have younger folk uh we do not get a lot of younger people watching this shit because of the length and all and i got drawn to her music ever since i felt the same way when i heard utopia uh, i think it's called utopia just the way she puts her emotions into words and music are so unique i couldn't agree more i never experienced anything like it she literally changed my life i don't know if Bjork, Bjork changed my life but i agree with you that like she may have actually changed a little bit the way i perceive music i remember after the first album review i did for this series when i did debut i was in the subway and just listening to all the vibrations and sound and it honestly started sounding more like music and just since then i've been paying a lot more attention to the ambient noises around me so i guess i guess bjork did change my life there you go i have the feeling that the album in particular that really influenced many other musicians and the music industry itself which isn't being noticed that much but maybe i'm just thinking too much i think you'd be surprised a lot of people were in fact influenced by bjork and uh Anyway, to go ahead to the end of the comment, P.S. Just by the way, her name is pronounced more like Bjork, and uh, she rhymes with jerk. And then I was like, oh shit, I've said it wrong for like four videos or whatnot. <clears throat> 
So, yeah, thank you, really, a lot. I'm going to not embarrass myself and be another uh, Canadian dude just saying the name completely wrong. So if Bjork does watch it, at least you know I made the effort to say the name right for the rest of the reviews. On that note, before we jump into it, we're going to give a special thanks to the patrons at the beginning while you're still watching. So special thanks to Linda Williams, Ismail Kadamsi, Chris Prado, DJ Black Hurricanes, and Jonathan Barnes. We'll touch on that at the end of the episode. And now we will start the official review of Selma Song's music from the motion picture Dancer in the Dark. Um, so if you guys want to this has kind of been a journey for me this is the part of the show where i would like to normally contextualize kind of how familiar i am with the artist so for me i it's pretty brand new to bjork as i kind of touched on earlier and now i'm going through her whole discography track by track in the order that it came out so that i can kind of experience the journey of bjork the way that like somebody who'd been bumping it for 20 years would have felt it and uh then i realized that in between uh the last album i think it was vespertine i hope i did that was the last one either way in between that one and the next one there was this little selma songs thing and then i realized fuck it's a movie soundtrack which meant i had to go watch the movie and this is kind of my like half-hearted apology for it taking like so long to come out because uh dancer in the dark is like two hours and 20 minutes now that so i'm not really a movie reviewer as you'll have noticed there's not a lot of that i watch a lot more tv shows and shit because two hours is a hard thing for me to get through when i can't multitask and have to like focus on it um but I also realized I couldn't talk about this little album here if I didn't talk about this fucking movie. So, uh, another like fair warning is I don't watch a lot of in like these kind of artsy movies. I don't know if they're indie or what the right word is, but let's say this was so out of my comfort zone. So I watched this movie and I had a lot of trouble finding it on the internet for free in the streaming format. And the first version I found, the volume was very low and it was a terrible and awful experience. And so that's fine i got the gist of what was going on but i like to watch it twice if i'm going to talk about it so i watched it a second time so mathematically it's about five hours of my life uh that was put towards that that was like in addition to talking about the album so not to make like excuses per se but that was like a huge thing and then that meant that before i talked about it again as time went on i had to go like refresh myself on everything so i kept doing other shit and put this off a little bit so here we are i can't promise a schedule for the rest of the albums but know that i'm gonna keep doing it till we're done with bjork on that note yeah so i started watching the movies i listened to the albums got it through it and uh that's what we're going to talk about today as far as the cover goes of this project it just is bjork looking kind of artsy and weird it's definitely one that does not catch my eye but like i don't know the cover doesn't do it i mean the title is clearly watched a movie bjork's in it but i think it's fascinating how much like drama is attached to this movie if you look at the behind the scenes and i don't mean uh the the recent me too uh claims or whatnot but just in the process so like bjork signed on to do the soundtrack and then they got she got like convinced into being the actress uh playing the lead role or whatnot so as i understand it though the real conflict didn't necessarily come from the acting part that was fine or whatever i mean whatever claims aside but 
they kept fucking with the music apparently so as like bjork would like go away or go shoot the scene or whatever she'd come back and they would like rearrange shit and change it up that like broke away from bjork's vision and i believe she almost like quit the movie in a way to like force the hand of the the director dude basically a lars von trier um i don't mean to say that in a weird way i was just reading it and i don't know exactly how to pronounce that one either anyway so i kind of yeah i thought it was fascinating how like there was all this like internal politics that go on behind the scenes of these movies and like having these personalities clash and shit but still movie comes out and uh we'll get into it and uh it definitely starts with an overture i have a lot to say about this overture it is like exactly what an overture is supposed to be a bunch of violiny classical sounding slow-ish tone setting music that gets played at the beginning there's a whole bunch of blops like ink blot looking things red and white and some leafy bird and green things and they fly around the screen for a couple of minutes as the entire overture plays in the movie and this it when you listen to it on the album it's just like yep it's an overture i don't i don't really i don't really know the point of them for me overtures i've not ever been a thing that has been like yep that's what that's what's getting me but i'm also not necessarily into classical as much as maybe i should be i should definitely maybe we should do a couple classical reviews but like um yeah it just it just felt like okay and then i like tried to stare at the ink blots and figure out what the fuck this whole like almost four minutes of stuff going on meant and it just it just went over my head it's really well made in the sense that it sounds well composed everything's pleasant about it but it's just dreary and not my cup of tea in the least so i give it a four and i would say when i watched the intro i was like oh fuck it's one of these movies because like i didn't really know what it was people said it was like kind of sad or whatever i didn't know what i was getting myself into so then it just starts and that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna walk through the plot a little bit because like nobody talks about the plot i looked up a plot summary on youtube i couldn't find one um maybe they're there i just couldn't find one and like so this just starts off and they're doing the fucking like these are a few of my favorite things song there and Bjork's just like singing and it's all goofy and weird and this like clear music rehearsal setup thing and I guess we find out everybody likes music and I'm like oh they're singing already we just got into it I'm not a huge fan of musicals maybe my taste will change more as time goes on but they're not my cup of tea uh still it goes on and i realized although there are songs interloped into this movie there is a lot of movie so i thought that the pacing and the ratio of movie to singing really really worked and i wanted to give that credit anyway we find out that bjerk's character selma is an immigrant from one of the places in europe uh maybe the czech republic and she has a kid and she works at a factory and she's saving cash money in a box um and uh she lives in like a house in the backyard of some other people who are a little bit better off and then uh, i don't remember exactly when but we find out like she's losing her sight and we find out that her neighbor 
is uh, having some money troubles and his wife expects a certain lifestyle and uh, he's unable to keep up so he's freaking out about all of that shit and then she's freaking out and they're like trading secrets because she's losing her sight and her son has it and it's genetic and she's been saving up money for the surgery and all of this is going on meanwhile there's a guy who wants to bang Bjork who drives the car and is a little bit creepy and like shows up every day hours before her shift is done simply to offer her a ride home so she can reject him and i got the feeling that bjork really she could be a little bit of a tease like i bet if bjork wanted to fuck with you she could like look at you and be like i might date you someday and get you to do like anything for her i mean i think she looks pretty great uh her current self and now and stuff and like i felt she was kind of feisty in the music video she'd been dropping for the last album and i was like damn man that woman has this energy that is very appealing so i could understand how the dude is obsessed with her but that's basically my main takeaway is the stalker dude uh showed up a lot to try to get with her but he really cares about her i guess i know that if you did that today and now people would not approve of said behavior um we find out she works at some factory uh and then she's maybe not the most efficient person but her friend is there to help her and everything's going on you know a lot passes before like the first song really kicks in um but she's she takes on like the night shift because she needs to make money faster or whatever like we, we definitely explore her eyesight getting kind of worse but she doesn't really say anything to people she makes like a mistake in the factory and if she fucks up again she's gonna break the machine and that would be very bad because if you break machines at work it's problematic and then it rolls into her deciding to do the night shift uh at some point oh and she's in this musical and i don't think they like her at the musical and she wants drums and shit but there's no drums and shit and i don't really know the musical subplot was kind of boring to me uh but we learn a lot about her love of music and shit and then we kind of flow into this scene where the first song starts playing and we'll talk about all of that as we discuss Valda. How it works in the movie is all of a sudden all the machines and the shit in the factory start like syncing up their sounds in a way where it's clearly like, oh, the Bjork song is starting now. And it's like unapologetically a song. Well, that's what that's what I really like about it. You can tell that the song was more important than the scene, and the scene damned well better support her song the way her like other musical music video uh, played out. Like I feel like I appreciated that, and I can maybe see how this caused tension between her and director dude. Um, but it comes in, and I'm really impressed with it right off the jump because sonically it's it's kind of like what i was touching on earlier it's just like taking the ambiance sounds of a of a situation and one of the core things that Bjork is trying to uh sell in the in the movie as she tries to make her friend uh get more musical and to embrace the sounds of music and to dance with her and kind of you can tell that Bjork's like a little bit airy uh, or Selma, I should say, is a little bit airy, and she's not really like that. Like, she's serious, and she grinds, and she puts in all the work, but she's also a bit like of a space cadet who's daydreaming a lot and fantasizing and whatnot. 
And as her eyesight fades, it's almost like you can imagine her other senses are enhanced. So as her hearing kind of improves, she starts hearing the music and things. And I guess as she's trying to express that, she starts with this song. And her friend, uh, who is not named Shivalda, it's Kathy, who's like the serious one, the one who's kind of looking out for her, who's taking care of her, who caught the error in the machine. She's all like, eh, 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 I'm boring and I don't want to dance or anything gotta work selma pay attention da 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 anyway so selma goes on to the night shift and then kathy shows up and is like i'm gonna help you out because you're slow and you're not working fast enough for the night shift which is because you have to man two machines or whatever anyway so as bjork gets lost in her head we just get this explosive and these are some of my favorite lyrics on this album clatter crash clack racket bang thump rattle clang crack thud whack bam and i love all those words i forgot what the term is but there's a term for words that exist for like the sole purpose of sounding like sounds and shit like batman comics use them and shit or the batman show and like i love it that's just kind of what it is but they're all machine kind of soundings they're the type of factory noises you would hear but it kind of organizes them in a way where it's exciting now and all this music kind of fills out in your imagination and i promise you if you open yourself up to the sounds that are around you in your ambient environment and and maybe consume a little herbal products and let your imagination run with it you will definitely hear the music fill out in those sounds at least if you allow yourself to i suppose anyway so then she's like it's music now dance and then like the verse is like like this shit isn't necessarily written to be like this most meaningful bjerk project i think it's totally written to move the narrative of the movie along so she's like listen Shvalda, you're the dancer you've got the sparkle in your eyes look at me and trancer she makes all the noises again and then you know the machines speak like we're gonna tap out a rhythm and the whole point of this is basically you don't really need music to get lost in the music of your environment you just need to be in the mindset to let yourself go it's a room full of noises and you can just kind of dance to it and then uh catherine starts singing and honestly it's really flat and maybe not the most invigorating performance next to bjork a lot of these actors who sing next to bjork in the movie they just do not bring the the same level of skill we'll say that bjork has but it's still pleasant and it's cool because everybody starts spinning around and they lift her up and shit and it's like darling selma look who's dancing faster than a shooting star shvalda's here she sings like hey your friend's here you're and and you start to realize this isn't actually happening just like in real life, people don't just spontaneously start singing and dancing because musicals are freaking weird and it doesn't make sense that everybody can dance the same moves and it doesn't make sense that people know the words to the song. And like To me, I can't get past it when I watch them, but what you start to realize is in a sense this is how Bjerg handles the situation everything's so tense and she's stressed or whatever so in her imagination she allows the shit to play out the way it is um and i believe at this point she's also quit doing her musical thing because it was uh, a bad situation and it was distracting her and she was just trying to focus on work or whatever so she couldn't keep doing it and so it's almost like that vacancy in her life forced her imagination into overdrive and then like there isn't really much else to it it's singy dancy fun times it's really illustriously fun to listen to i gave it a 4.5 on 5 
five and um yeah i'll just we'll, we'll move on and discuss the plot points that kind of lead up to the next song now and i think that's how we're going to handle the rest of this review so basically uh she fucks up the machine because she's singing and not paying attention uh she loses her job um in the process of all of this shit uh buddy who lives next door sees she has a cash of uh sees she has a stash of cash and he like sneaks in and he like makes sure of it and i believe like there's something with the kid oh they get her they get the kid a bike because bjork's being cheap and didn't want to buy the kid a bike because nobody knows that they're saving up for this operation because she doesn't want to tell her son that he has this disease because if he tells them it's gonna degenerate quicker and they sense of knowing it so it's like this big secret and she can't tell anyone and anyway uh she basically uh loses the job then buddy fears about this and it kind of flows into a moment i don't remember the exact sequence but the next thing you know he's stealing her cash and like they're at the house and he she's like no you can't like you can't take it don't do it it's fucking bad he pulls a gun on her he's like flat out because she can't see and he realizes she's like blind at this point she's really losing her eyesight um and or no sorry i think i'm jumping ahead uh, to the point where what i'm about to describe happens you know she ends up i think accepting a lift from buddy boy after she gets fired and buddy boy cat or no that's not what it is i'm remembering it now so yeah you get to go through this with me as i remember it uh so after she gets fired the guy's not there yet to like the stalker dude's not there to take her home so she starts following the train tracks because that's like the only way she can safely get home because then she can kind of use her feet to like follow the train tracks home and then as she's going stalker dude catches up with her and they have uh this moment where another song plays out called i've seen it all and then we'll get to what happens when i was just describing so i've seen it all um, I remember if I gave a grade to the last song, so in case I uh, did did not do that, I gave the last song 4.5 because it's pretty brilliant. Um, there's two versions of I've Seen It All. There's the version in the movie featuring the far less talented actor playing the stalker guy, and then there's Tom York from Radiohead who is singing in the album version. And uh, if you're only going to check out like one version listen to the tom york version he sounds a lot better next to bjork than actor dude who really just sounds kind of flat next to her which is a little unfortunate um so as uh the stalker dude catches up to her they have a little conversation about how she's losing her eyesight and how she's kind of like in, in her way of like making the best of this terrible situation of going blind is to sing about it and turn it into a musical and another five minutes of musical scene plays out and it's like bjork is singing shit like i've seen it all i've seen the trees i've seen the willow leaves dancing in the breeze i've seen a man killed by his best friend and lives that were over and they were spent i've seen it all i'll know who i'll be i've seen it all there is no more to see and in a sense her her entire argument is i've had this fulfilling life where i've had so many great memories of all these different things i've seen that losing my sight is fine it's not gonna ruin the rest of my life i have seen enough things in my life 
that it's okay and it's almost like again a coping mechanism but on the real you know it it doesn't sound like the most sincere thing in the world it sounds more like a person who is just such an optimist such a go-getter making the best of a situation type person and it makes like selma such an admirable and likable character in the sense that she's giving up everything for her son like she could get the surgery for herself but no she's giving it to her son she's trying so hard she just got fired and instead she's taking solace in the fact that she's had such a wonderful life and that's pretty cool and then male counterpart depending on which version of the song goes you haven't seen elephants kings or peru i'm happy to say i had better to do is what bjork responds what about china have you seen a great wall a walls all walls are great if the roof doesn't fall and i remember i was listening to that with bonnie uh because i watched it with her and bonnie was like that's a really good point it's true and again it's that perspective thing like do you really need to see the great wall which is a kind of useless wall because it doesn't even have a roof when a wall is a certainly practical thing because it keeps up the roof and shit and in general and like he, she, he's like what about the man you'd marry are you gonna want to be with him she's like to be honest i don't really care where i live and what i'm gonna see or not see and this is the entire fucking song until um she just kind of like he kind of i guess accepts it at the end and i don't mean to like cut it short but you've never been in niagara falls i've seen water it's water that's all and there's not a lot more to comment in my opinion on that on the actual specific lyrics um the music plays out and it gets more beautiful she she gets more passionately into the singing as she almost explodes it's like not only is she convincing him that this is how she feels you can feel the fear and anxiety as she tries her hardest to scream it out to convince herself that this is what's going on and whatever the scene plays out and the song is totally not exactly my favorite i i felt like it's a wonderful song to listen to and in the objective i'm a reviewer my tastes only go so far perspective of things it's perfectly crafted it fits the movie so well the the music is really well orchestrated this one feels more like a song less of this industrialized situation that we had on the last one the last one was like cool to me like i liked the last one because it was all weird and experimental and like it had an energy this one feels a little more dreary a little calmer a little more ballady and slower but in the sense that it, it really works for the scene of the movie and what's going on but even what's going on in the fucking movie is really boring because they're just kind of like walking around the car and the bridge and i don't know then they almost get hit by a train or whatever and it's fine i don't know the song got a 4.5 on 5 for me the movie scene was kind of eh definitely listen to the tom york version tom york version because it's just so much more full than the what you see in the movie so yeah then we get to the part where she gets home and the whole scene plays out where buddy's stealing her money like i was saying and he pulls a gun on her and now she's like blind and shit and we all know how blind she is now and she can't see the gun and he's like i know you can't see it i'm pulling a gun on here she doesn't even believe him she has her goofy little flirty smile going on and then he puts like the gun out feel this shit whatever 
I don't remember exactly what happens, a little scuffle, and then she ends up with the gun, and the wife shows up uh, in the middle of the scuffle, uh, and she's like, she's robbing us, blah, 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 she knew about our money, that's why she was asking about our savings, go, run up the hill, call the cops, but what we, the wife doesn't know is that he was a suicidal fellow, we, the audience, did know that, though, so... He, she ends up shooting him by accident and then he begs her to kill him so she fires the rest of the shots out and then like picks up a bookshelf and smashes his fucking face in with um yeah this like whatever she picked up this filing cabinet thing just like fucking over and over again just smashing and smashing and smashing to a point where he's dead she takes the money and then um the next song starts which has two versions that we're gonna have to talk about so why don't we move on and discuss scatterheart so what's interesting about scatterheart is that there are two versions of it and i think the way bjork played this is fantastic so before the album comes out uh the, the album comes out before the movie comes out which means that if we had the movie version of this song it kind of gives away like a serious plot point and we're talking serious spoiler territory whereas no other song on this album is spoiler territory like what the fuck do you get from the song with clack bang now like you don't really know what the fuck that means in terms of the plot until you watch the movie just part of why i watched the movie because i was like what the fuck does that even mean um but then we get to this one where there's the album version and let's go through that one first and then we'll talk about what happens in the movie but keep in mind that you the listener haven't seen the movie yet and i believe that this is a cool introduction to this scene and i think it's a perspective thing so this is the version that you would have as like the external person uh, kind of looking inwards at this situation so the part that's shared between the two songs is the beginning black night is falling the sun is going to bed the innocents are dreaming as you should sleepyhead 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 I love the way she goes the sleepy head part and she just kind of sings it out and it's haunting and it's creepy and you just know that like something sad or bad has happened right and the next verse has all the love above I ascend into you comfort and protection I'll watch over you so now it's like there's this spirit watching over or a person or maybe Bjork's like talking to her son or you know like some shit like that's going on and like there's some bad situation that has transpired but there's some essence of protection or guiding force that's keeping everything in check um you don't ask me what's going to happen next i know the future i'd love to lead you the way just make it easier for you and this definitely feels like in the character of a person who knows somebody's about to go through some hard times and wants to do anything possible to ease their burden or ease their pain or ensure that they don't have to deal with it but because we don't know what's going to happen next you can't and it's very curious now unfortunately i heard this version after i heard um I mean, like when I really paid attention after I watched a movie. So I was struck with the wow, when you compare it against the, what happens in the movie, it's fascinating. Like stuff like the shift between what the movie does and you are going to have to find out for yourself. You are going to have to find out for yourself. I mean, if we're going to talk about marketing genius, literally, if you want to know what the fucking bad thing that happens here is, you're going to have to find out for yourself by watching the movie and since everybody knows it's this movie is sad and it's gonna break your fucking heart my dearest scatterheart this little chorus and shit i believe bjork is talking to us the people who watch the movie and listen to the album and in a way go check it out yo there's comfort right in the eye of the hurricane just to make it easier for you 
that's a fascinating point like we're probably it's almost like we don't know this yet but the song almost serves as a soothing point and and that that little section there is a very interesting key to the character of selma as things go bad in her life she creates this eye of the hurricane moment through her musicals and the way she sells songs anyway all the hurt in the world you know there's nothing i'd love to do more than spare you from the burden it's gonna be hard if i could only shelter you from the pain just to make it easier for you and again you don't know what the hell's going on if you just listen to this album whereas the rest of the songs maybe you think okay someone's gonna lose your sight okay then somebody's gonna help her out like in the next song or whatever but here it's left with something happened and you're just left with this itching like what the fuck you know like i don't understand i can't you don't you don't have like any clues to figure it out she does not reveal any plot points it's very well done and then um so i gave it like honestly this version of the song is fucking fire uh it's haunting it's so beautiful to listen to it's it's amazing and i'm happy it exists and i gave it a 4.5 i also gave the film version a 4.5 because it's fucking creative it's definitely less good in terms of enjoyability because again all the people who are acting with her just don't do as well however we start off now and this first first plays out but immediately she's like touched uh the dead cop guy oh yeah and the fucking neighbor guy's a cop though that she shoots so she's a fucking cop killer like ice fucking tea um anyway uh so the first first plays out again but now you know what's happened and the way the song plays out right so the 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 first version serves as an advertisement literally to get you in and then it starts to change as bill wakes up from his dead she asks him does it hurt and then he goes i hurt you so much more so don't you worry and then she goes i don't know what to do everything just feels wrong he goes everything is fine just stay strong and then silly selma you're the one to blame and it's almost like i don't know if you've ever fucked up real bad in your life like in a way where you've hurt people or really fucked up well i have and uh that's a really good like that little part there really describes like the immediate feeling like holy shit bad shit's gonna happen now okay okay how do i rationalize this and so her imagination goes listen like the ghost of bill rises from the dead and goes well you may have killed me but it was justified because i hurt you more everything's fine just stay strong and then you get gene as she leaves the house and starts to like kind of go away from bill and you see him riding his bike and he goes you just did what you had to do and so that's like playing on the you'll just have to find out for yourself they sing it the same way and like the base of this song structurally it's extremely similar between the two versions and it's just gene has this haunting little kid voice that really sells it well he he sounds well and it's like well her son or and you know she's imagining all this at this point none of it's really happening was really happening and she's fucking running away for it because she fucking killed the guy but in the musical play out in her fantasy um gene is there and he's like singing like it's okay you just did what you had to do like this specific language like it's a mother fucking protecting her son respect you know and then the time it takes a tear to fall a snake to shed his skin is all the type that's needed to forgive to forgive me and then Bill says, you are forgiving. Come on, hurry. And you see that, again, she's rationalizing what just happened in a way where 
and this might be Selma's biggest character flaw, uh, she's not good at accepting the accountability of the situation or acknowledging the severity of it. I mean, she at some level clearly understands it, you know, because she, as she leaves, she turns to this fictitious Linda that she's imagining, because remember, she's ran off to call the cops. Uh, she goes, I killed your man. You ha and then he, she goes, you have to hurry up. I called the police. They're just down the road. So obviously she's aware because in her fantasy, it's almost like her senses are kicking in to alert her how to respond appropriately to the situation but like and then she's like they've come for me why should i run they'll take your money run for your boy silly selma you're to blame etc so it flows out the chorus kicks in uh the gene part kicks in and she's running off and then she's very sorry and then she goes i just did what i had to do and i think that's significant because after going through the part you know everything else up into that moment is like forget like she's in this process of trying to forgive herself of trying to acknowledge what's happened of trying to understand it all and then as she gets to the end and she realizes it doesn't take a lot of time to forgive herself because she did what she had to do she's come to terms of it whether or not she really believes it whether or not it's just some lie she's told herself but she's told it now so well she's convinced herself but she takes on that ownership and accountability as she goes i just did what i had to do and I thought it was pretty good. It moved the plot along. It did what it had to do. You know what I'm saying? So movie-wise, what happens next? Uh, she finds Bly, uh, She goes and she has an appointment then uh, later on, I believe, with Blind Guy. Because uh, they were going to go drive... Sorry, Stalker Guy. Who was going to drive her down to Doctor Man. And then um, the whole time she's pretending that some famous check guys her father and she doesn't want to give her identity uh of who she is to the doctor she pays him she tells this person um this this uh famous guy is how you'll know it's my son she's a little bit short of the money he accepts it but boom the money's gone to the surgery everything is good and then she goes to musical class or whatever and she's sitting there and the director man clearly um wants to uh get her arrested and some fucking they run through the song and he makes it up and they have a drummer that's playing and she's so very happy but he's really just stalling and then the cops come and arrest her the next thing you know she's in court and they're laying it all down like because they're basically playing it like because she's a communist right uh that's something i forgot to mention so they spin it like look at this communist who you know is coming to america and doesn't appreciate blah 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 and then they bring up the fact that how could she have all this money to pay for a fucking surgery she was too poor to buy her kid a bike and this and that and the next thing and the next thing you know she's going to jail and shit and they um actually they go as far as to bring in this uh check guy that she claims to be her father and he goes i've never heard of her but she's not going to tell the truth because if she does that's being a bad mom every woman i talked to said uh flat out she's being a good mom that's what a mom should do so i'm gonna just take it that she made the right mom choice in the sense that protecting your child at all costs that all sacrifice to yourself is the i'm not a parent so i don't really empathize a thousand percent but i took the advice of a lot of women when i asked about it um and then yeah it flows into uh the next song in the musicals it sounds fucking cool um so there are two versions uh basically there's a slightly longer verse where the check extra guy happens to come in and uh 
he sings uh, like some little intro bit like i don't mind at all we're having a ball and like it just in the courtroom like more of the people interact and then on the album version it's just bjork and it starts off with bjork's verse so um why do i love it so much what kind of magic is this how come i can't uh, help adore it it's just another musical um and it's almost like her mind's drifted off in the court because again she's about to get this this guilty verdict she knows she's going to lose there's no way out she's been set up she's been trapped and again she's she's kind of been framed here right like she did kill the dude but because he jacked her shit and basically did ask her to kill her and shit and now nobody believes it and whatnot and then you kind of this this song in and of its sense is just kind of what's been happening to her so no one minds it at all if i'm having a bar this is a musical so this is how she copes with the situation people don't really mind as long as everybody's having a good time maybe this is how she escapes through it all and i'm certain people do mind but the way she frames it is like and she's in the courtroom and everyone starts dancing and shit but you just kind of see her expressing how she's coping and then there's always someone to catch me there's always someone to catch me when i fall and that is kind of what she has happened in her life so far you know her, whether it's her friend at work who's been helping her out but it's almost like as this is going on they, or her like stalker friend helped her to get her son the money to the doctor and it, it just played out in a way where i guess she's been exceptionally lucky even when she came to america to have these neighbors who've taken care of her so while this bad thing is happening to her why should she assume that anything different would happen when uh you know when you're in a musical when the magic of the the energies around you everybody gets saved that's always kind of what happens so if she transforms her life into a musical then um basically she has nothing to worry about she's gonna get through this everything's gonna be okay um lyrically that's about all there is but this is kind of like the tap number because she does like express an interest in tap dancing at a certain point and she everyone just does i don't want to call it the lamest tap number i've seen but i've seen a lot of those spectacular tap numbers and by comparison this was like a pretty laid back but rhythmically great so like the rhythm wise oh i really love how it sounds man this this whole breakdown these musical parts of this track the energy that gets conveyed it's just so fun and it's such a juxtaposition to what's actually happening in the movie so i love the sound of it but the dancing was corny to me that's just my opinion it was just like not that cool they did they would just like got on the desks and and did some tapping but like nothing really fancy like i don't know i guess i guess it was just a weird scene after a while i was like why are they all doing this this is one of those moments where you're i'm going why how does everyone know to just tap dance right now anyway so, but i love the way it sounds um it really does serve its purpose and it, it's kind of like that little clue for everybody to explain how selma copes with life just in case you hadn't figured it out by now and uh, i gave it a 4.75 it's truly fucking wonderful of a song um after that she goes to jail where uh, her friend yells at her because the lawyer was really shit and they found a new lawyer and if they take the money from the surgery and give it to the new lawyer selma will get out and the boy needs his mother and selma's like fuck that shit the boy needs his eyes this is far more important for him to have the longevity of his life i'm a lost cause it's unfair but this is what it's gonna be everybody screams at everybody um then there's nice guard lady who becomes friends with uh, selma 
and then um, she realizes she's blind and then they, she goes off of death row and then she goes back on death row and then it leads up to the moment where it's decided this lady is going to be executed for the murder of the 5-0 dude and we flow into a very odd song called 107 Steps. This is the weirdest shit in the world. There's like no reason for this song's existence outside of one scene in this movie, which is fine. It features Sioban Fallon Hogan, I don't think I said that right, who is the guard who uh, serves a very fascinating role as the percussion of this song. But before we get into that, let's explain what's happening. Bjork is tripping balls. One of the ways she's coped with life is to count the number of steps she has to take to get somewhere because if you count the number of steps, it's all good so we know there are 107 steps between Bjork's cell and the fucking death row place so um she's freaking out she's panicking she can't even take a step so the lady's like come with me and she starts tapping her foot look there's a song and she goes like one two three four and she just counts you know how far she counts on the album she counts to 140 in the movie at 107 and stops and she serves a percussion role and it's very rhythmic but she's just counting and yes there's music and stop playing but she just counts and then bjork just comes in and she's like 31 35 42 and in case you thought it was like whatever 100 steps that's like the only unique word is the word steps otherwise they just sing numbers at you the whole time so from like a creative point of view it's fucking crazy cool because what a weird and interesting way to manipulate voices into percussion instruments and whatnot and it kind of moves the movie along but fuck this is not something that i thought was very enjoyable to listen to on the album in the movie it worked but it was still like okay that's cool but i don't enjoy it on the album it was like this is this is weird anyway it's well made and it's very creative like i said but it's totally not really my cup of tea so i gave this shit a 3.75 on 5 it's definitely not a song i want to listen to again um it's fine anyway the next song on the album because we're going to skip uh the movie bit for now is called new world the best way i can describe this song is like a trailer for the movie so i can assure you that after 107 steps i was kind of expecting to see the song that comes in after like when she's getting executed or something granted it's real short but Nah, then we got this, like train whistles, a sweet clementine, blueberries, dancers in line, cobwebs, a bakery sign, oh sweet clementine, oh dancers in line. And I'm like, I guess she's coming to America, she's seeing the new world. And I'm like, this is so weird after 107 steps. Like this is maybe the movie that plays in the credits at the end, I'll be honest. I didn't watch it and listen to the song in the credits, so I'm going to assume it's this. But like... It's basically like I'm coming to America and then little clues as to what's going to happen. If living is seeing, I'm holding my breath in wonder, you know, like, oh, shit, she's going to go blind. Once you know, it's a little clue there. Uh, I wonder what happens next, a new world, a new day to see, you know, and it's just like this excitement, like, yay, I'm here. And it's got like this almost Disney-esque feel to it. And again, the song inherently is fine. The song on this album, I'm like, Selma's just died in my imagination. She just walked to her death and now Selma's alive and seeing the new world again. And it's such odd placement. You absolutely should have cut the overture off this project and started with this motherfucker. That would have made a lot of sense. This is how we start the damn 
album. I don't understand how this is at the end. Or maybe this is after she's dead and she's moved on to the new world. But that's really grim and morbid. And I don't really see that in the lyrics or anything. Um, I'm softly walking on air halfway to heaven from here. Sunlight unfolds in my hair. You know, it's kind of like to me. Like she's losing her sight and she's in America. And new adventures are going to come. Unless that really is like my spirit has departed from my body. And now I'm dead in my way to heavens and shit. That's entirely possible. But I don't know. I had a lot of trouble getting into this song. Mostly because I couldn't connect it to anything in the movie. And because of its weird placement based on my understanding of things. So I'm going to give it a 4.35. I know this might not have been my most in-depth uh, conversational point. But this one just didn't give me a lot, a lot to like speak about. On that note. There is one more I would like to discuss, so let's discuss next to last song. See, like, this shit makes sense for the whole movie and stuff. So after she's gotten to, like, the part where they're gonna hang her and whatnot, and she can't see and she's freaking out, she finds out Jean is just in the next room, uh, her friend runs in and gives her the glasses. Gene got the surgery. He can see. He's not going to lose his sight. And this gives her the peace. And she kind of sings a last song to Gene. And she goes, Dear Gene, of course you are here and there's nothing to fear. I should have known. I was never alone. And you just realize she's about to die. She's like coming to like terms and all. And it really is a fucking sad scene. I'm like, you just feel like it's all worth it whether or not it was true like there's entirely it's entirely possible that she, that like the kathy friend just made this up as just like this is what she needed to hear to get through it but fine let's go with the optimistic point that it worked out proper because again it's not clear that that happened it's just implied loosely that it happened um and so she finds her joy and she almost starts smiling uh this isn't the last song there's no violin the choir is so quiet and no one takes a spin this is the last uh, uh next to last song and that's all remember what i've said remember wrap up the bread and do this do that make your bed and it's quiet right because everyone's kind of waiting there's like a little delay on her death for xyz reason then they say go ahead they're gonna kill her and as she's singing the last line you just hear like the crunk crunk and she just fucking falls and boom it's done unfortunately selma is uh no longer in the world of the living and uh she's just singing an acapella and it's just haunting and i found it beautiful and i found it really that's how you should have ended the freaking soundtrack it was great but i guess it would have been like plot spoiling and whatever who the hell's gene if you haven't seen the movie but it then ends and i was like well that's fucking sad i mean i kind of like the fact that there isn't a happy ending it, it has like this real like you feel the sacrifice like it's almost like her death matters more makes everything matter more because there was that sacrifice that in the sense that she had not and there was some hollywood ending or some crap like that but no it has this indie ass film dark ending and i thought next to last song is a beautiful and gorgeous piece and i gave it a 4.5 on 5 but now we're going to talk about the album as a whole i'm not including that in the album because it wasn't there there were the seven songs and this is the lowest rated Bjork album I've had so far. But granted, it's a little album soundtrack and it goes with a movie and everything. So I give it a 4.33 on 5. I think from a song construction perspective, it's absolutely brilliant and it's experimental. And the thing is, is you, you kind of need to watch the movie or I don't think you're really going to appreciate this. Like it's going to be so out of context, like every song and every well, while they can be listened to on their own. And it might be the case with most musicals. I just feel like watching the movie 
movie made me appreciate all the music more and when i listened to it before it was just kind of out there i mean the musical song is fine on its own and obviously the one with tom york was meant to be a single and all that shit um but still like in and of themselves they're kind of vapid little experiences that didn't necessarily have the depth that the the albums that we just listened to had until you watched a movie and you realize how much depth is actually packed into these lyrics with the visual context that goes along with it so it is an interesting point just on musical soundtracks and how i guess having the movie there really does flush out the the plot but yeah i gave it a 4.33 like i said uh now i'm gonna be redundant anyway so thank y'all for watching i appreciate it sorry for the delay i'll try to get the next one out in the next couple weeks and we'll keep the bjork train moving along um if you do like this review or you want to just have a little chit chat and we can uh, share stories or whatever you can hit me up in the comments and if you make that effort i'll definitely answer you, you can also hit that subscribe button if you want to check out more reviews on this channel um you can also uh you know like comment subscribe i guess i said all of the check boxes there special thanks to the patrons Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Prado, DJ Black Hurricane, Jonathan Barnes, and Linda Williams. They support what we do. They helped us get a better camera. They uh, they get to tell us what albums to review. As an example, DJ Black Hurricane has a request coming up in a couple of weeks. So for just a dollar or more a month, you can help us grow into something better than what we are. And you would be awesome. And you'll get your name said in a lot of videos. Anyway, thank you all. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I make music myself, so if you want to check that out, you can find it on the channel. And I'll catch you at the next one. Peace, love, and all that good shit.